we've been talking about boundaries um, and some of those like yeah I'm, go- I'm just going to share what you shared with me before we came uh-oh. on this recording uh-oh. You're, you're on a leave day today oh yes, yeah some yeah someone got you out of office and thought it was okay to text your personal phone about an issue now how do you handle that because that is they're overstepping the boundary you've set yeah absolutely I didn't handle it very well this morning because I replied Welcome to How to Take the Lead, the podcast where we challenge the myths and stereotypes of what it means to be a leader today and help you to succeed in post without compromise. I'm Lee Griffith. And I'm Carrie-Anne Wade. And together we will be your guides, questioning everything we've ever learned about leadership, sharing our experiences along the way and inspiring you to make a real impact in your role. Visit howtotakethelead.com for show notes, past episodes and to join our community. Enjoy this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of How to Take the Lead. Today we're going to be talking about avoiding overwhelm but before we get into the the meat of that topic I'm just going to give a quick refresh for any new listeners about how you can engage with our How to Take the Lead community. So of course you can listen via this podcast which you might well be doing already or watch over on YouTube. So if you're over on YouTube hello to you. Um, you can join our Substack community, which is very exciting, where you will get your uh, eyes on uh, some great updates from uh, the episodes, which you can read, but also engage, comment uh, and get access to some exclusive content um, over there. So please do that. And you can engage through our socials. We're on Instagram and on Twitter, which you probably already know if you're a regular listener. Um, but you can get all of that good stuff via the website, which is howtotakethelead.com. So I think that's uh, all of the housekeeping, as I call yeah. it, at the top of the <laughs> shop. Um, and of course, I'm here joined by the lovely Lee. So how are you doing, Lee? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's getting to the end of the week. I've, I will say I've been semi-productive this week. So I'm, I'm okay. And semi-productive. Okay. okay, and you're okay with being semi-productive because yeah. I know you're usually super on it. So that's good. Good. You're listening to... What everything's telling you and a semi-productive week is a good one. It's definitely a good one. Um, I'm glad to hear that you're well. Uh, and it's interesting that you mentioned being semi-productive uh, because we are going to talk today about avoiding overwhelm. So in an earlier episode, uh, the leading when times are tough episode, we talked a bit about what it feels like to be a leader right now. And I think it got us thinking and talking about kind of generally dealing with overwhelm, avoiding um, burnout. I'm going to use the bunny ears. I know some people probably don't use, don't like the phrase burnout. Um, and also kind of what you can do uh, to support yourself in some of those situations when things are, are feeling really tough. And I think we definitely started to think about um, managing boundaries. So we wanted to focus today's episode on just that. Um, and I did a little bit of Googling um, in the style of the lovely Lee uh, before this episode. Um, And there's quite a lot of research, as you might expect out there, around kind of stress, overwhelm, burnout in leadership. And a few things caught my eye, if I'm honest with you, that I thought kind of helped to set the scene for this conversation. So uh, the Development Dimensions International Global Leadership Forecast of 2021 revealed that nearly 60% of leaders reported that at the end of a working day, they feel used up, (laughs) Um, so exhausted, which is obviously a strong indicator of burnout. 
Uh, Deloitte's last year carried out some research with senior leaders, um, and that research indicated that 41% of senior leaders um, who took part in that research uh, stated that they were stressed, and 36% said they were actually exhausted. Um, In fact, nearly 70% of senior leaders say that burnout is affecting their ability to make decisions, and up to 69% of executives were actually thinking about quitting because of the impact on their well-being. Mm. I think there's some fairly full-on sort of statistics that might indicate uh, how leaders are feeling at the moment in terms of that overwhelm and stress. And we've seen it, haven't we, recently with some pretty high-profile figures in the political sphere stepping away from their roles, basically saying they haven't got anything left in the tank to give to the role. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, And I think leadership burnout can occur when you experience the long term stress of your job or you've been working in what might be considered to be a draining role for a long time. Um, But I also think there's um, a kind of burnout is there when maybe you feel like the, the impact that you're expecting to have in your role is perhaps not really coming to fruition. The results mm. that you want to produce are not, are not really there and you can feel a bit disengaged and a bit uh, delusioned, uh, disillusioned as a result of that. So I think we are in agreement that being in leadership positions can feel very stressful um, and clearly it's something that leaders are starting perhaps to be more vocal about now in terms of that burnout and that overwhelm. So um, I wanted us to have a conversation about that and see where that takes us today. But I actually, if you don't mind, Lee, wanted to start with... Um, asking you whether you have any personal experience as a leader of overwhelm or burnout and how that impacted on you and your wider team. And I know you've shared some of this before, but I yeah. thought it a good opportunity to, to really dig in and, and find out a bit more about your personal experience, Lee. So we're, we're, we're jumping straight in, aren't we? There's no, there's no hiding. We said this year was going to be the year of action, that we were just going to go straight in there and get gritty and talk about the the important stuff so no warm-up I've given you the stats you probably as are many other leaders one of those stats or you have been in the past so yeah mm. over to you to share some of your own experience before we maybe talk about what people can do to to support themselves yeah wow where where do I start I mean I, I think there are probably two separate occasions in which I strongly identified as being in a place of burnout um I think the first time it happened there was a lot of different factors that contributed to it so um we were going through a really big crisis at work it was quite a toxic environment I'd moved house I had a health scare um, and all those things together were, were really stressful and I remember on one occasion um actually going to a hospital appointment and uh, I was called by uh, my boss at the time to be hauled over the calls for nothing. And I prepped for the thing that they, they were calling me about. My deputy had been briefed um, and was more than capable of, of dealing with the issue. But this individual purposely called me to make a point and to try and intimidate me, it felt at the time. And I don't know what their motivation was, but... It was a result of actions like that from individuals and um, feeling constantly undermined by people in the organisation and that individual and then feeling like I was taking a a massive burden for my team because 
I didn't really want to to share what was going on. Um, I was working really long hours because there never seemed to be enough time. Um, and I got really sick as a result of everything that's going on. And I'm actually on lifetime medication for that now. Um, and it got to a point where every time the phone rang, I'd feel anxious. I dreaded kind of going into the office. I avoided talking to people. I'd range from feeling super angry about the situation to feeling really tearful. And I didn't feel like I could be open about that and what I was going through at work, A, because of the culture at the time. And I thought it would make me feel even more alienated. And as I said, I didn't want my team to know how, how bad it was. I wanted to protect them from that. Um, and in some ways, I, I think I probably protected them too much because they, yeah. they probably either thought I was being OTT or I was failing in my job because I didn't really share some of the stuff that was that was going through. Um, and, and that was like a quite a sustained period of time. It happened over several several months. And as I said, I did get quite ill as a result of it. But I worked through it and eventually kind of pulled myself out through, through the other side and, and things changed in the organisation and whatnot. And, and I learned how to cope with some of the things that I was going through. I think the second time I then experienced was a couple of years later and I was in a different organization and it was actually what led me to leave the NHS in the end um, and I suppose it was because I saw what had happened to me the last time and I didn't want to go back to that place um, even though I was unwell again I wasn't managing my health conditions very well and I wasn't really looking after myself I had a lack of sleep I was dealing with with new toxic behaviors in a different place all of that kind of stuff I didn't have the stress that perhaps I felt the first time um, it was more a sense of overwhelm and a frustration and an anger, actually, um, that was literally chewing. You know, I, I feel a lot of stuff in my stomach and, and that was one where I was really feeling that anger chewing through me. And then that that began to turn into an apathy. Um, and I knew if I stayed, I wasn't going to be doing right by myself, obviously, but I wasn't going to be doing right by my team and ultimately the people we were there to serve so I took a step away and it's probably as, as I've explained on, on the show before I kind of went away on a long holiday and that was the first time I really started to reflect on how I was feeling and I just thought this isn't worth it so came back from the holiday handed my notice in straight away I wasn't going to get back into that place so yeah I've kind of <laughs> um and it took a long time to recover, actually. When I left the NHS, I had a good few months off and it's taken a long time to process and a long time to get over some of the anger that I felt for, for having had to go through some of that. Sorry, that was a long... No, it's not long. I was just composing myself because you know me, I probably shed a little tear and I'm like, oh. Um, and I've heard you obviously on the show, but personally as well, share your story um, before and every single time it still has such an impact, I think. And I think there's something about that second time round, you recognising um, kind of the signs and making that decision that you didn't want to be back in that space personally because you knew that it wasn't good for you. And I think, you know, I think that's very courageous of you to do that. And there are other people probably who maybe don't even know how to recognise the signs, which might be something we'll come on to too shortly. I recognise my privilege as well that I was able to to make that step away the second time and I recognise that not everyone has that luxury or that ability to do so and people have to you know put up 
because they've got other commitments or you know security and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff so I do recognize that there was a huge privilege that played into my ability to step away yeah and and it's just as I reflect on what you say like so many things that we've talked about in different episodes of of this podcast um play into kind of your experience so you know that culture in an organization and what that's like the toxic behaviors potentially that that people are displaying and then having an impact on on yeah. individuals and we have talked as well before about that personal well-being kind of piece haven't we a little bit in in various different episodes where you know you are a leader but you also have a life outside of work and there's something about you know how much that overwhelm stress burnout is starting to impact on all aspects of your life but equally the fact that we're all human beings and we have things going on outside of our working life as a leader that are going to impact the way we feel when we wake up in the morning because we've all yeah. got those other stresses so you can't you almost can't sometimes always take out like this is about my role and being a leader and that's what's overwhelming me but you can't take that away from some of the other things that are happening in life and I think there's also you know the whole reason we we do this show is is to challenge some of the stereotypes of and I think this is a prime example of of the stereotype because I know certainly you know when I was going through it the first time um what what was the narrative that was being played out was you had to show strength. You couldn't show weakness. You couldn't show vulnerability. You weren't able to say, I can't do this. You weren't able to, you know, you had to just battle through. And there was, there was, and, and I played into this, I'm sure. I'm sure I've been judgmental of other people at times when you've seen that they've not been able to cope. Oh, they're not up to the job, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and until you're in the position, it can be hard to, to empathize with, mm. with that. Um, but there, there is very much this kind of narrative and it still, it still exists in organizations. You know, this isn't a historic thing. Um, but there is that narrative that plays out of youth. You can't show that you're, you know, things like what's your mental well-being or looking after yourself. There's this expectation that you, if you're a leader, you must always be on. You yeah. must always be available. You must always work. You've got to kind of fight to the nth degree. And, even now I see people on social media who poo-poo this idea of a, a work-life balance for leaders. There's no such thing. And I think there is. I think it might look different, but yeah. there is. And and I think that's part of the reason why we are so passionate about showing that there is a different way. It is through our lived experience, but it is also through recognising that we're only going to change cultures of organisations and the way things happen if we start to tackle some of this. Yeah, absolutely. I go, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, and it is that thing, isn't it, of that that age old kind of if you show vulnerability, you're showing that you can't cope and therefore you're a failure and you shouldn't be in that role. And yeah. you know, what example are we setting to other people if we're just, you know, creating a, a leaders who just have to put a brave face on everything and deal with it, regardless of how that's impacting them personally yeah. and and you've talked about impacts on your wider team it isn't always just about you personally no. actually if you are in a space <clears throat> where you're overwhelmed but not finding a way to be able to get support with that and and deal with that then actually that does have an impact on the people that you're working with around you so yeah how about you what's what's your experience been I think I've um through my career I think I've been very good at just getting on with it early doors when I've started to feel like the role is very stressful or it's probably been more in ex- in examples where it's the politics and you talked a bit about the toxic behaviours 
that bit that's caused levels of stress for me where I felt like I just can't cope with this and I don't know if I want to cope with it but I think I've just done that as you've said that kind of get your head down and just get on with it but the impact that that's had for me is that I've not felt um on reflection I've not felt that I valued myself and my contribution or the contribution of my team through doing that because Mm. my coping mechanism was just keep your head down and just do what you need to do and get on with it rather than actually question whether this is okay and be able to feel like I can be vulnerable and honest and say I'm I'm not dealing with this very well I think for me the times when I've had that it's kind of manifested in just feeling disengaged and feeling really to just really tired like Mm. I just don't have the energy emotionally mentally physically to give it my all that's probably how it's manifested for me and it's been impacted by the type of leader that I've worked with so when my boss has been empathetic compassionate open about their own vulnerabilities that's created a safe space to have those conversations about mine where I've worked for a boss or a leader who has had that horrible old school stereotype that we've just talked about and it's just like if you even say you're having a bad day then you're a failure that's been when it's been really difficult to manage and I think I've probably just retreated and been like like what what do I just need to deliver but without kind of motivation to really feel passionate about it but you get I don't know about you but there's the there's a guilt then that plays in when you take because I've done that retreating we talked about a bit about this in the quiet quitting episode you know that sense of stepping back sometimes because it's just not worth it but then you're giving power to the people who are the the bullies or Mm -hmm. creating the the old stereotypes and there's a guilt associated with that which I kind of, you know, now in my feisty kind of mode, I want to go back and go, right, I, yeah, yeah, I'm not challenging it. it. Yeah. And I did challenge it in, in the end, in, in my way, I did challenge it and it didn't turn out particularly well, but, um, you know, it took a long time and a lot of yeah. courage to, to think to, to challenge that. And yeah, you do realize you, you do perhaps sometimes, and sometimes you need to do it because you're protecting yourself. Sometimes you're doing it for an easier life, but mm-hmm. actually sometimes you need to do it because you need to do it to to set the precedent, stand yeah. up for other people who perhaps aren't as privileged as you. Absolutely. And it sounds like a cliche, but since hitting 40, I've just decided actually, you know, we you talked about what we're here for. It, you know, it's time to take some action and challenge. And I do feel more confident, whether that's with age, experience being just too tired of it all to to not speak out and say actually it's okay and the times that I have been vulnerable with my own team or with my leadership team in my organization in recent years that's actually had really positive impacts Mm, which mm. um which can only be a good thing I guess Are you a public sector senior leader who wants to make a great impact in your role? Are you struggling to take people with you? Are you working in the weeds or tackling things that your training hasn't prepared you for? Do you want to stop second guessing your approach and show up in a way that feels true to your personality and values? At Sunday Skies, I specialise in helping leaders like you communicate with impact so that you can improve organisational performance, engagement and reputation. Sign up to my email list at sundayskies.com forward slash email. I'm going to move us on a little bit because I'm very conscious of the time. Just briefly to talk about, um, 
you know, we've said we've got these coping mechanisms. We've talked about a few of our own. But how can you recognise as a leader when things are starting to become overwhelming? So hopefully you can take some action a bit sooner than perhaps some of our examples have, have shown. Yeah. Well, uh, the signs for me were tiredness was a big one. Um, I know I wasn't getting enough sleep because my alarm was going off at four in the morning. I wasn't getting home until after eight o'clock in the evening. I was feeling really wired because of that lack of sleep, which meant that I couldn't fall asleep. So that and that continues to be a big symptom for, for me is recognising when my sleep goes awry. Emotions being all over the place, as I've kind of mentioned, tiredness, impatience, frustration, sadness. Sometimes I almost had an OTT energy because I had that kind of frustration trying to trying to get out somehow. Um, that sense of not feeling in control, that pressure of everything that you need to achieve, the never-ending to-do list, that feel feeling like you're failing. Um, everyone wants a bit bit of you when you start sensing some of those emotions at play certainly when I work with leaders now um it's things like they're recognizing they're working too much in the weeds they're micromanaging a bit too much they, they talk about lacking confidence maybe they're not taking people with them or people are being lost in the confusion of their thinking because they're not they haven't got that clarity or warning signs that the things are getting out of control um but as you kind of said at the outset, there are so many different things that can trigger that sense of burnout and overwhelm. It is about how satisfied you are in your job. It is your work condition um, and the environment you work in, your salary, relationships with people, how valued you feel. So so there are, you know, maybe your personal warning signs, but then there can be environmental factors that you need to be tuned into. Yeah. And it's that point you make you tuning in <clears throat> I think is the important point there isn't it and being able to see early on that some of mm. these things are at play so that you can take some sort of action to either change the course or yeah. make a stand whichever action yeah. it is that feels it's important um but yeah definitely lots of ways that um can manifest I think and it's just having that understanding for yourself about what that feels and looks like for you um, as a leader, for sure. So um, I guess we like to try and share some practical things or ways yeah. <laughs> that people can um, uh, kind of uh, take action. And for me, I think boundary setting is a really important part mm. of helping you to avoid that overwhelm um, as a leader or as anybody, not just as a leader. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I talk a lot about with people that I work with um, through the mentoring that I do. Um, the one thing I would say around boundary setting is it takes practice and I'm not always uh, as good at keeping my own boundaries as I am at telling others to set theirs. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do think it is an essential thing to reflect on and to start to practice. And yeah. uh, Brené Brown um, in her Dare to Lead uh, book says that in the work that she's done um, over many years, one of the things that she found um weirdly shocking I think I would say is that the most compassionate people and leaders that she has interviewed over that that 13 years she said were actually the most boundaried people that she came into contact with and I think what she was kind of saying is that if we don't set boundaries we let people do things that are not okay and I think that is a really important thing to think about as a leader both personally for you um and for you know your wider organization and the people that you work with so 
I was just interested to get your view on boundary setting and if you see that as an important part of, of being a leader. Yeah, we talked about this quite a lot in the Quiet Quitting episode, so um, I don't want to rehash some of the ground we covered there, but com- completely agree. I think for me, boundary setting is the standard that you set, um, your boundaries and how you respect other people's boundaries are, are really important and says says a lot. And actually, I've been having a conversation with someone on on my in my DMs this morning about this exact topic because if you set boundaries and then you either don't communicate them or you don't protect them, then that's when you can cause problems. Because you know, if you don't respect your own boundaries, why should anyone else respect them? I think that's where confusion and chaos can reign in in the how you how you communicate what your boundaries are. If you give mixed mixed messages and all of that kind of stuff, you create a rod for your own back. And I've you know been there and done that, so I recognise it. So I think boundary setting is so important, and um, I but I do think there's a bit of a stigma attached around boundary setting. I think that people feel either a bit awkward because they've got boundaries um obviously there's a stigma as we said in the quite quitting episode of if you're young and have boundaries you're you're labeled being a snowflake and all of that kind of stuff um and then if you're a people pleaser or you don't like conflict all of those kind of things can complain in around boundaries as well that would be <laughs> holding my hand up and confessing so there's a whole load of discomfort around around the notion of boundaries, isn't there? But absolutely, but there's part of me that feels like that's why it's really important to talk about them, and yeah. even as an individual, to kind of reflect on what your boundaries might actually be, um, because it almost sounds quite lofty to say I'm setting myself some boundaries, yeah. but actually, what we're talking about is just doing things that protect you, your time, your energy, you know make you reflect on kind of the sort of relationships that you want to build with people and what behaviors you would deem to be acceptable and maybe what you wouldn't and and what you might challenge so I think maybe as well sometimes the term boundary setting is what makes people feel a bit like oh a bit bit weird and a bit awkward they feel like they're these big massive things but really small things can be boundaries you know it it could be as simple as I'm not going to have one hour meetings I'm going to keep my meetings to 45 minutes so that I have a 15 minute gap between my between a meeting so that I can do some self-care go to the toilet make a cup of decompress after it or whatever prepare myself for the next meeting that's a that's a boundary yeah absolutely and I think I think that's a really good example and I think it's important that people reflect on the practical things that leaders can actually do in terms of boundary setting and some of that's actually just to consider what are the important boundaries to you and I I do an exercise with people um, who join the Thrive program around boundary setting just to get people to reflect on what's important and we start three we have the start of three sentences and then actually there's time to reflect on what the end of those sentences might be and it's things Mm. around like you know people may not treat me you know, whatever that behavior might be that you're not going to accept somebody treating you like, you know, to protect, Mm -hmm. to protect my time and energy. It's okay to, you know, not, mine mine would be not respond to emails straight away. (laughs) Because I think there's an expectation, you know, that leaders will behave in a certain way in the workplace. And actually, it's up to you to kind of set the tone for how you are going to behave and what those boundaries are. 
So have you got any practical tips around leaders actually putting boundary setting into practice, Lee? Um, I mean, it, it, as you say, there are so many different ways in which a boundary can manifest. So it could be what, what's your approach to meeting with people, how you have protected space, whether you take a lunch break. I know leaders who say, well, I'm going to take my kids to school three days a week, so I'm not going to come in at the crack of dawn, even though that might be expected of me. Or um, certain people will make sure that all their team take a lunch break. That's quite boundaried. It could be um, the types of things that you get involved with and and don't get involved with. So it could be around just being really clear around some of your standards of this is what I deal with at this level and I'm not going to get down into the weeds to to work on this project or that project. So I think there's lots of different ways in which you can establish your boundaries. It kind of depends where you... I like to align it a little bit to your strategy and what you're trying to achieve and how it fits with your personal life and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Really, really good tips and I think an opportunity for leaders to start maybe doing some reflection about what their personal boundaries might need to be mm-hmm. the boundaries they have set they're really putting into practice so um I think boundaries how about you oh my boundaries my says me who often says to you where are your boundaries yeah. well I, I'll be really honest I can tell over the last three weeks that I am starting to feel the overwhelm with lots of different things that are going on in work and life at the moment because my boundary uh my practicing my boundary setting has been really poor um and actually the fact that my accountability buddies like you um actually message me and go doesn't feel very boundaried um is a sign for me that perhaps things are feeling a bit bit overwhelming for me at the moment and that I might need to take some action um around how I can start to manage some of that so um yeah that's that's quite an interesting reflection for me at the moment but for me over time I think my boundaries have been partly about how I protect my own time and energy and resource partly how I protect that of my team um, but also a lot more, um, I guess, because of personal experience around um, behaviours and mm-hmm. how what behaviour I deem to be acceptable um, mm-hmm. in the space in which I'm working as a leader and whether I, I can role model the good behaviours and check myself when I've, I'm not. Um, but equally that I feel that I can challenge those behaviours in other people when they're starting to have a negative impact. So for me, that's kind of what's been important in terms of my own sense of like stress and overwhelm in the workplace as a leader. Um, but it's just about practice for me, practicing doing them, checking when you're not, having people that tell you you're not being boundaried and taking that on board and maybe resetting those boundaries for yourself feels really important. So it's interesting that um, I've talked about accountability buddies and you being one of them with checking, checking my overwhelm and my boundary situation. Um, because uh, often leadership is described as quite a lonely place to mm-hmm. be and a lonely role. And Tim Cook, who took over as uh, Apple CEO from Steve Jobs, did describe the job as that. He said it's it is sort of a lonely job, and I think that probably sometimes can feel like a true reflection. But your support network and who you surround yourself with can be really important, not only for dealing with that sense of loneliness. But supporting that overwhelm, avoiding that burnout and looking after your well-being. So what advice have you got for leaders in that space, Lee? I think, um, I mean, we've talked before about your support network and, and 
being able to, and it, and it feels such a dry uh, a way of assessing your relationships, but being able to categorize people of what is their value adds to be in that support network for you. So for me, I look at who are those people that are in my safe space. So the people that I trust that I can offload to, but that will show me maybe that tough love if needed or might give me a different perspective or share helpful advice and guidance. That's a really important facet in my support network. Um, when I felt overwhelmed and struggled with that in, in the past, obviously the role that my friends and family have played to that, but also just identifying who those work colleagues who kind of got me um, or people who would make me laugh and I could just go to and and you know people find black humor don't they in dark situations and you know there were definitely a couple of people that I've worked with in the past who would be relied on to I could go and we could just get really sweary and laugh it out and laugh it out and I needed that as much as I needed someone that would perhaps give me a more pragmatic approach to dealing with a situation and, and then I had my coach who, that they were incredibly important to me when I was going through some of this stuff because they were my ultimate safe space and I was able to explore and I could tackle some of that really tr tricky stuff that I just couldn't verbalize anywhere else. So it's about recognizing it doesn't need to be a massive group, but it is about recognizing who are those four or five handful of people that serve some kind of purpose and recognizing the purpose you serve for them as well because it's a two it's a yeah. two-way street isn't it yeah absolutely and it's interesting you say about about your coach being really important because I found the same but also I have found that at times when it feels very overwhelming in the workplace when things have got quite stressful it can be the things like your sessions with your coach that get um mm. be prioritized is that the right word that I'm using there yeah because you feel like I haven't got the time I can't take x amount of hours out of my day to have that coaching session for example so you kind of don't do it and actually it's, it is really important to protect that time to have yeah. that input and those conversations if that's yeah. what really helps you um, to manage that overwhelm so again and maybe another signal um if you're thinking I haven't got time to have my coaching session or you know I need to move it or you know people who are part of my support network have asked to catch up and I'm not making the time to do it that actually that's the time when you really mm. need to do it that would definitely be my my reflection I think your your support network though is only one part of that well-being piece that you need to take care of when you're a leader because I don't think you can put all your dependency on a support network you've got to find other ways to, to manage that so we've talked a bit about that health and well-being piece so for me it's it's as much about what I eat my exercise I started journaling and I find that quite a therapeutic way to offload some of my thinking um when I'm feeling particularly stressed or, or troubled um, my sleep discipline, you know, not compromising some of those things have been really important. And I, I, I discussed that. I had a session only a few days ago where we were discussing some of those things that seem to be the first to go out the window when things get troubled. Um, yet, if you're not looking after yourself, you're going to be of no value to, to anyone else. Um, 
I made friends with people who were teachers at my classes at the gym, for example, and they didn't know what I was going through, but they created that sanctuary that I could go and switch off and all of that. They were part of my support network and they didn't even realise it yeah. because it was you know, I was taking responsibility that I had no burden on them, but they were very much became part of how I was managing my, my situation. And I think self-management is really, really important. And we often overlook that boundaries is, is one part of it, but it's how you organize the way you work, how you stay on top of what needs to be done and, and have a process, I suppose, of offloading all those worries and the niggles. And I've worked with CEOs who would be up in the middle of the night just worrying about all the stuff that they'd have to do and writing massive to-do lists or sending email, getting in at crack of dawn and sending emails to everyone with everything. And we did, we went through a really simple exercise of just setting up a Trello board between them and their PA. <laughs> the only reason I laugh because you are the Trello queen. So I'm like, why am I not surprised? <laughs> but this Trello board was, was this place that became a really clear line of sight of what was happening in this chief exec's world and in their office. They didn't have to bombard their kind of PA with loads of emails or all hours of, of the day and night. They could look on Trello and find an update for that piece of work or whatever. They could also log a query if they didn't find the answer there and the PA would go in and, and answer it. And and also having it all in one place created this real clear line of sight between the two of them around well, what are the priorities? This is all the stuff we've got on. How do we prioritise it? Um, and how much work have we got on our plate? You know, part of that thing of m managing your time, time blocking, all of that became easier once you get a clear line of sight of everything that you've got, got on your plate. There's a lot of plates there. I'm also going to say other tools are available. <laughs> it's a Trello queen. There are other tools available if Trello is not your bag. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. And some of the things for me in terms of like practical stuff has been around changing the way that I manage my to-do list. So I don't have a list anymore because that list was never ending and that was mm. overwhelming in itself. And, you know, I split my stuff into what I could do in five minutes what's the 30 minute job what's the project and what are my non-negotiables and that works much better for me than just having this long massive yeah. list that uh, that I use so there are some real practical things about how you organize yourself I think that can be really helpful and also agree you have to take responsibility for your own well-being and as you said support from others is one part of that but you know you have to manage things like taking time off like saying, actually, this weekend, I am not going to look at my work emails, answer work calls because I'm spending time with other people that are really important to me. And I want to be present in that moment or yeah. I want to focus on getting out there and doing a big long walk or whatever it is. So, yeah, it is really important, isn't it, to know <clears throat> what those other things are that support your well-being outside of being a leader, making mm. sure that you prioritize those and, and make the time for them. And we, we talk about we've been talking about boundaries and um, and some of those like yeah I'm go I'm just going to share what you shared with me before we came uh -oh. on this recording uh -oh. you you're on a leave what day today oh yeah I some am. yeah someone got you out of office and thought it was okay to text your personal phone about an issue now how do you handle that because that is they're, they're overstepping the boundary you've set yeah absolutely I didn't handle it very well this morning because I replied <laughs> Uh, but I did reply directing them to somewhere else. 
<laughs> which was on my out of office. So there you go. Um, but yeah, absolutely. That kind of creating that space and time for you outside of work, I think is important to switch off, you know, reset, refocus, have a rest is really, really mm. important mm. to do. And like you say, that's just going to make you better at, at leading when mm. you go back into that workspace because you can't be on 24 seven. And, and recognizing, so one of my biggest learnings, and we've talked about it in the introvert, extrovert episode, you know, as an introvert, I need time to recharge my introvert battery. Yeah, so that's become part of my planning now. It wasn't, I wasn't great at recognizing that when I was in my corporate role, certainly not in the earlier days, but towards the end, I, I definitely was. But yeah, recognizing kind of the type of person you are and what you might need and not just assuming that you are the same as any other person so I'm conscious of time I read this episode has run away with that forever forever about this but um hopefully people have got some useful um kind of prompts and things to reflect on from that conversation but as always we like to end with some top takeaways so what would your top takeaways for leaders today be if they're feeling a bit overwhelmed by life as a leader I think if you're in that place at the minute where you're in the spiral of feeling overwhelmed, um, it can feel really hard to to work out how to extract yourself from that and to do something about it because you almost don't have the time or space to tackle it. And we've talked a little bit about that already. And that almost then perpetuates the issue, doesn't it, that carries on. So I think that the best thing you can do is just start somewhere, what one thing could be changed, could be better, and be ruthless in, um, I suppose, questioning the value add to to create the space to make that one thing happen. So it might be, right, I need to find an hour today to figure my shit out. So looking at, at my diary, I'm going to be really ruthless. Do I need to attend every one of these meetings? Are there things that I can ditch, delegate, defer? Should I be doing this? Am I, is this at the level that I'm adding value or can someone else pick that up? I, I bet you 90% of the time you can find an hour in your day. You've just got to be, yeah, you've got to be honest. Not, not everyone needs you all the time. So sometimes it's about what you're going to give up to give yourself something. Absolutely. I would agree. Prioritise your needs because they are important um, is definitely part of that, isn't it? Find that hour if that's what you need so yep I am I'm absolutely all and I'm loving your ditch and delegate defer um I think that's a really good approach to take to things um and for me I guess slightly longer term I would just suggest that people start to reflect on um what the signs are for them personally when that overwhelm starting to kick in so hopefully they can recognize that earlier um, and have a think about one or two things that you can do to step outside yeah. of that space whether that's going for a coffee planning time to spend with a person that's really important to you may or may not be part of your support network booking a break whatever it is that you need to do get outside go for a walk just make sure you know those couple of things that give you that opportunity just to breathe um reset and reflect I think would be my my top takeaways so uh, I'm sure we'll revisit some of this in other conversations because it feels like uh, a space where we've got a lot to say. <laughs> and there's a lot of evidence to prove that leaders are um, are being really challenged by this sense of, of burnout and overwhelm at the moment. So 
Um, hopefully that episode was helpful. Um, please do share it with other people if you think there's somebody who could benefit from listening or watching. Um, leave us a review or a rating if you so wish. And until next time, um, we'll see you shortly. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit follow and share the show with someone you know. Oh, that rhymes. A rating or review will be much appreciated. If you're looking for some leadership inspiration, why not get a free copy of our recommended reading list? Visit howtotakethelead.com to download. Until next week, get out there and take the lead.